Here, hold this. I gotta tell a story. Welcome, world. Estos back. And I want to talk today about uh, my years as a Mazda tech and an apprentice. I think becoming a journeyman and kind of like where I felt a lot of my downfall in life came. Not even downfall, but like a lot of negative stuff started happening to me at, at, at towards the end of my career there. But I want to explain and I want to tell people what it was like. This might be a little bit of a longer episode. I'm assuming like 20, 30 minutes, but how did I even get to the auto barn, right? So I was working near my home on Granite Harlem for this one man named Don at this little independent shop called Grand Tires, still there to this day, but he doesn't own it. And uh, I met one of my really good friends there, Freddie, amazing dude. But um, I learned very fast that the independent game wasn't going to be that good just because I wasn't the best tech. I was very young. I was very young. I was like 20, 21. And um, I had only been tech for about two years, and I had worked at dealerships and whatnot. But Don, Don was an amazing guy, and the techs that he had, they were really smart, really dope. They taught me a lot of shit. And uh, I had a lot of respect for those guys, you know. I became really good friends with Freddie, too. Like, that's still one of my really good friends to this day. You know, not so much everybody else, but the things that they taught me, I still think about and hold to this day, and I'm very grateful for that. So, the I worked for Don for about a year. But working for Don wasn't easy. You know, that was like 13 straight days. And then you would get every other Sunday off. He'd be busting your ass, you know, for pennies. You know what I mean? But he was a cool dude. But still, it's just like fucking slave labor. You know, it's hot as fuck in the summer. It's cold as fuck in the winter. And, you know, shit was wild. But, you know, Don was a businessman. He was a hustler. And I got, I got mad respect for that. You know, and, and he has some really, really, really amazing dudes that if they were to be at a dealership, they'd probably be making sick money, too. But to be in a dealership, you got to kind of be like really with that nine to five shit. You really got to be on that square shit. You know, you don't get no side hustle like that unless you got your own garage or you got your own spot you can work at. OK, so. Here we go. So one day I I decided to start applying because I had already had, you know, dealership history working at Hyundai, Honda, you know, Jacobs Twin over there. I worked at Honda. I worked at Sherman Dodge. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, I was I, I didn't like the independent shop shit. This shit was horrible. So anyways, one day I decided to go fucking start looking for a job. I find a job up at Evanston, um, the auto barn. It was only one building at that point. And they had a building across the street that they were building with the Volkswagen dealership. And then they were building the Mazda dealership right across the street from the Nissan. So they had Nissan, Mazda, and Volkswagen all in, in, in the same block. But they were building everything. So we were we were all in one fucking building. All of us cramped like 20 fucking techs in a big fucking building while they were building everything else. So I meet my boy Alex 
amazing dude. He works on the Mazda side. He's Hispanic. He's the only Hispanic. Well, he's one of two Hispanics that works there. And the other one, he was alright. His name was Shorty, and he was cool. Shorty was cool, but he he was in his own little world. And he had his own little shit he was dealing with, you know, whatever. So me as a young Hispanic dude, I kind of I kind of you know leaned towards my boy Alex, and he became one of my best friends too. We we, we man, we made so much money together doing side jobs. Good dude, man. Really, really, really solid dude. Anyways, um, so when I was getting when I got the job at Mazda. Alex was kind of on his way out. Mind you, Alex is a master tech for Mazda. He's been working for Mazda for like 14 years at that point. But he was having a falling out with the service manager name. I'll put him as CK. His name was... His name, we call him CK. I ain't going to put his name out there. But his name was CK. And he, he was a fucking prick. You know, especially to like niggas like Alex. Because Alex was like a 9 to 5. He, he didn't want to work late. But Chris wanted motherfuckers to bust their ass. He wanted them to work late, do whatever it took. But he was, he was all right. You know, he was all right. He just was a hustler too. So when I was going in there, Alex was on his way out, you know, mentally on his way out. And uh, now we'll get into the major important characters of this story. So <clears throat> we're going to get back into some important characters, important uh, coworkers of mine. So on the Mazda side. It was only going to be six techs because the shop was going to be pretty small originally. So what I would consider the OG six, the original six guys, and, I, and I'll go by seniority. And I, and I won't say their last name. I'll just put their first name. So the OG, a mate, really, really smart dude, probably one of the top techs in the United States of America. His name was, we're going to call him Fat Ass Rich. Fat Ass Richie. That's his name. Fat Ass Richie. Alright. Then, second in line was Shorty, who was a really, 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 really good tech. And, uh, you know, he had his own shit going on. You know what I mean? He he was a really good father. He was a really good tech. I had a lot of respect for him. But he we didn't really talk too much, you know. Um, it was It's all good. Nobody did. So, following him, we had... Uh, we're going to name him couldn't... The only thing this motherfucker could fix was a sandwich. He couldn't fix a car. His name was Harry. And, um, you know, he was basically like Richie was his dad. Not in the terms where, like, Richie fucked his mother and, and came inside her and then birthed Rich, Harry. But, like, that motherfucker couldn't fix a car without getting help from Richie. It was pretty sad. And he was a journeyman, which means that he was getting paid big bucks. And then, and we're talking about in the order of hire by seniority, and then it came myself, and I got hired as an apprentice, year one apprentice. So I came in at the bottom of the bureau, like $14 an hour. Then we have one of my best friends to this day. His name is Carl. He was a master tech, black man. Amazing, amazing motherfucker, man. Amazing, smart dude. He was going through a lot of shit, too, but that that's, you talk about an amazing individual, that's, that's an amazing human being. And then you had um, an Irishman, Dan Koch. He was he was he was really dope too. But he was like one of the owner's homies, and you know he he came from a really really wealthy family. You know he didn't even have to work, but he killed the game. And, and I have a lot of respect for that dude. He was an amazing tech. He did a lot of shit for the owner as far as the race car stuff. 
stuff that we weren't willing to do for like fucking nothing, you know, and he, he really handled a lot of business and I had a lot of respect for him and to watch him walk away from the game like he did was so sick, you know, that motherfucker just won, they just closed his toolbox and said, you know what, I'm fucking over all of it, fucking packed his shit and he moved up to his fucking house that his family has up in like fucking six hours north in Wisconsin. Dan was a cool dude, but he was cocky, but yeah, he, he was a good dude, man. But, um, and, uh, you know, that, that was the OG six, you know, and, and I was like the little, the little slave, you know, I was everybody's little helper, you know, and, and that was cool with me cause I was learning and, and basically I was like a freshman into like, you know, a really good position, you know, and it was amazing. I, I had my, I was with like the, the love of my life and, and we were living good and life was good. And I was making, you know, I wasn't making a lot of money at that time, but the goal was like just get the four years done, learn as much as you can, get that journeymanship. Because once you finish your four year apprenticeship, you go from like eighteen fifty to thirty two dollars an hour. So it's a sick ass raise, and that was kind of the goal. You know, the goal was to like once you get that certification, you can go anywhere in the United States and work for Mazda because a Mazda in Chicago is the same shit as it is in, you know, fucking New Mexico, Detroit, Florida, California. All that shit is all the same. Some of the laws are different, but they didn't have big of a difference. So that was the ultimate goal. So boom, you know, shit goes popping. Starts off all good. Um, the original six, about four months into us getting hired, because we all pretty much got hired within the same couple of weeks, we get into the new building. I will say like within four months, we go into our building, everybody got their own spots, and shit is flowing like water. It's love for like the first couple years, you know? Um, you know, it it was it was a blessing. It was definitely a blessing, and it was a great time to to be up there. And it was a great company to work for. You know, the 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 company was good. The 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 people that owned it were happy and shit, and shit was booming. You feel me? But um, you know, it's amazing how just one person could fuck shit up. It's crazy. So here's the <clears throat> here's the dynamic inside this shop. You have two white dudes, you have a Puerto Rican myself, you have a black man named Carl. You have you have actually three white dudes, the one Mexican, and um you know the dynamic in that shop after about year three became very, very very intense, you know, it was like a, like a, it was like a fucking yard because, like a prison yard, because me and Carl were the only ones that dealt with each other, we're literally the only ones that helped each other or talked to each other, obviously I was getting a lot of help from him, but like, when it came to like, breaking bread, or, or eating lunch, Harry, fat ass rich, and then DK, they just kind of ordered together. They never would ask any of us if we wanted to eat. Maybe like once a week, you know. And um, that was that was that was all right, you know. Whatever. Me and Carl always went to eat lunch together all the time. Even when our schedules were different, we would still just go together and eat lunch. Um, I wouldn't really ask anybody for help except him because I really didn't trust nobody's answers. Because 
Here, here's the thing about a mechanic life. A lot of people don't know because this is the kind of the field that they create. Um, mechanics don't get paid hourly. You know, they get paid a, a flat rate for the week. And if they make over those hours that they book, they get all the rest of that money, which is pretty dope. It's pretty cool. But um, so like if, if if they don't like you, like if the if, if the the guys that are older than you and you know, they just don't fucking like you. They're having a bad day. They'll, you ask them for help, they'll give you the wrong information. They'll fucking send you off. You know, it's just, it, it's a weird thing, you know. It's it's a political thing, you know. It's like, fuck you, you know. It's like, I, why why should I help you, you know. you should. It, it's a weird thing, I don't know. It was it was one of the things that bothered me a lot about, you know, the, the, being a mechanic and shit. And the shit that they don't talk about in the school, you know. Um, like, I always, like, th- I think now, now that I'm older... I think to myself, man, I wish I would have learned how to be the owner of the shop and not the fucking mechanic. But anyway, so it, it, at at work, it was always very intense. It was always very, you know, very tension based. You know, it was always very like very negative energy. But uh, as a union employee, they don't change out the text too much because we're all protected and all that shit. Unless you fuck up royally. You're not really losing your job. Unless you're a piece of shit, you don't show up on time and all this other shit, you're not going to lose your job. But management and the service writers and service manager directors, they kind of, you know, they kind of, it's like a circling door. Like, it just rotates. You know, there's people coming in, coming out. A lot of people don't last more than two or three years. They move on. They get better positions, whatever. Um. So, at, at about year four, Year three of my apprenticeship, um, they were making some changes. So I remember that there was a, a dude that used to smoke a cigarette outside of the Volkswagen dealership all the time in the alley. They used to go through the walk to get to our cars. This big fat piece of shit. I, I'm going to call him pig vomit. So he used to be out there smoking a square all the time. Mind you, this dude's like 6'3" probably 300 pounds of shit like he's a big fat bastard like he looks like a pile of clay-doh like human made clay-doh piece of shit you know heavy acne all over his face you know what i mean um you know probably was popping all kind of pills allegedly you know allegedly he was popping all kind of pills i don't know the motherfucker like that i don't really care but we're gonna call him pig vomit so every day when i would go home after work i would see pig vomit smoking squares mind you this fat piece of shit would never, not even say hi to me, nothing. He'd just smoke it square and let me keep it pushing. That's fine, whatever. So, one day, that same fat piece of shit, pig vomit, is uh, behind the counter of one of my old manager spots. That was interesting, you know? So, um... The week that he got hired was the week that our contract for the union expired. So, um, we didn't get a raise for three and a half years at the end of that contract negotiation. And he got hired that week. So, imagine how we feel. So... In about, it was like 2008 when the recession hit and the union contract expired. And they decide, we, as a union, we, we lost 
on being able to get uh, any kind of raise or whatever. So they got to get us for three and a half years without having to give us a raise. So we're all pissed off and shit. They pull, they they bring fucking fat Tubalard into the fucking spot, pig vomit into our, you know, as a service manager. He was a service writer at Volkswagen next door. That's where he was. I would always see him smoke a cigarette. So he would like work in there, smoke a cigarettes, pop his pills allegedly, and then go back to work. So they bring pig vomit over and um, he becomes a service manager. So first week after all this union shit, he brings his fat ass in there. He's like, hey, we want to have a meeting. So we go and have a meeting. Mind you, in a union shop, if you want to decrease pay, you have to ask or decrease the time for something that we're already getting paid for. So if you want to take it from an hour and make it a half an hour, the shop has to agree on that. Mind you, there's only six of us. So. I'm the apprentice. I'm hourly still at this point. I got about a year before I'm over that. So, this fat piece of shit calls a meeting and he's like, um, you know, with the with not being able to give you guys a raise and all this, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get pay you guys an hour for the, the labor for keys, to program keys. And, and mind you, it only takes like 20 minutes, but you're not paying us for what we do. You're paying us for what we know. So... I stood up first before anybody and I said, hold on one second. I said, we already signed a contract where you're not going to have to give us a raise for three and a half fucking years. You got, you just got fucking hired here and your plan is to decrease our fucking pay. That's just disrespectful. And then I fucking pointed to every single tech and I said, yo, can you take a fucking pay cut? Yes or no. Vote on it right now. He's everybody said no straight up. So then boom. That that basically, like, put my name in the mud. And then being that he was a big um, Caucasian motherfucker, that he just hated that. You know, mind you, he's double my size, and, and he can't do shit to me physically. So, and uh, basically, from there on out, he had his boner for me. You know what I mean? Pause. So, a couple weeks later, he pulls me into the office, and he's like, hey, um... I got you on three things. And I say, yo, bro, first off, you, you will never pull me in here without another union employee in here because I don't trust you. And uh, if you know the union rules, you can't write me up for shit that is more than two weeks old, dog. So all this shit that you're bringing up is old as fuck. You can shove it up your ass and I'm not signing shit. And I walked out and then boom, after that, he just he got his shit, got even more hard for me. Pause. So, um, a couple months later, you know, shit's going the way it's going. I'm still an apprentice. I'm still hourly and all this other shit. Mind you, this dude has, he, he hates me. Like, this is just like a horrible, horrible ass work environment. And it's becoming more and more negative, more and more bullshit. You know, it's becoming more and more tense between everybody that works there. So, um, one day... They hire a loop tech, like an oil tech, you know, some fucking express lane guy, you know, some guys gonna do oil changes and shit. And um, because of my seniority, he couldn't put me across the street. He was trying to just move somebody across the street. So because of my seniority, he moved Carl across the street first. And then Carl put a, a this thing in with the union, like a, a fucking, he put a whole entire thing with the union in. And they brought him right back. So, 
he basically only had me. He had my option was to put me out there. So basically, what he did to me was that he put my toolbox. One day I left work, and then he dragged my toolbox, and I left. He pushed it across the street, across Chicago Avenue in Evanston, Illinois. He pushed it across the street to the Nissan dealership and parked it over there, way in the fucking middle of some tool area over there by some lift. So now, this is like in October. So it's not too bad. It's not too bad outside. It's not no big deal. And I got a tool cart, so I'm moving back and forth. So mind you, I'm getting paid the same as everybody else because now I'm a journeyman at this point. I don't got my approval. I got my, my raise and all this. Mind you, the girl that I was with for seven years of my life, the day that I got my journeymanship, we we separated. We moved out of each other's house, our apartment. We moved into another part. So that was like another another major disappointment in my life. You know, like something that I worked my entire life for. Part of my vision, my my everything that I share was getting to that journeymanship and then moving on from there. And the day that I became a journeyman, our relationship was over. And um, that that was a major major hit. So, um, anyways, I'll be right back. So here we go. So now, when uh, when Brian moves me across the street, I'm having to cross the street Chicago Avenue like twenty, twenty two, twenty three times a day, because I got to get parts, I got to get cars. Sometimes I'm driving across the street. Most of the time I'm crossing it with my tool cart. I don't have no laptop over there. You know what I mean? I'm away from all my help. And I'm just like a first-year journeyman, so I'm not like a fucking great tech, you know? So, the owner, he hires one of his really good friends to run the dealership as a GM for all three of them. He's a good guy. He's solid. And uh, one day he walks by and he goes, why are they punish? Why are they punishing you? And I said, well, Brian hates my guts. The mechanics don't protect me. They don't they don't speak up. And, um, you know, Richie has an amazing deal. So fat ass rich about a year ago. Mind you, this dude's about. 330 fucking pounds, maybe, maybe, maybe close to 375. He's standing at his toolbox. This is before I got moved across the street. He's standing at his toolbox in the morning, one morning, and uh, he falls. He just snaps like Kevin Durant on a court. And uh, basically, his knee, one of his knees gave out the, the, the little tendon in your knee. I, I don't know the exact, I don't want to say the letters because I don't know it. So I'll be honest and say I don't know before I say some fucking random letters like an asshole. So he, he snaps his knee, you know what I mean? And um, he's basically out for like six months, okay? Mind you, we're in a union shop, so that means that everybody is on the same exact contract. You don't get no benefits, none of the extra shit. Anyways, when Rich comes back, 
fat ass rich comes back he gets to work every single saturday mind you he's getting paid time and a half on a saturday but they never asked us or made us agree to that you know that's that's breaking the contract because nobody's allowed an individual contract so this fucking fat fuck is getting to work every single saturday at like 70 dollars to 80 dollars an hour and then getting all and then saving all the juicy work, the easy work that you can stack up and get 13 to 30. You know, I would say he was getting like 26 hours on a Saturday at 70 bucks an hour. Mind you, he's getting this shit every single Saturday for a year since he came back from his injury. You know, all mind you, all the texts, Harry, me and Harry are smoke buddies. Me and Harry smoke weed all the time. DK, you know, he don't give a fuck because he's rich. He don't give one fuck. Shorty's pissed. You know, Carl's salty because he don't get that benefit, you know. So it's an interesting thing that's happening now where, where one person is getting the exclusive treatment because of something that happened to them. But, you know, I didn't stuff that motherfucker with Chinese food every single day. I watched that fucking piece of shit fill himself up with like two Chinese, two number sixes, two orange chickens. Uh, one wonton soup, one kamasa young guy, and two egg rolls, all beef, no vegetables. Why the fuck is that my responsibility? I didn't agree to that contract, you know? So that was like always something that was like really carrying upon us. So, you know, all this negative shit that's happening to me, mind you, I live next door to the dealership at this point because I moved out from where me and my ex had lived. I lived right next door, literally, literally, literally. Right next door to the dealership. So, you know, if they were to say like, oh, there's just so much work. How come you never asked me to come in on a Saturday? Or you know, not even on a Saturday. How come you didn't ask me to come in on a Monday? Because they knew that if I came in on a Monday, they would have to pay me time and a half. Right? And he didn't want to do that. So they never let me work on Mondays. They So it wasn't about work or none of that. So they could never claim that. So basically... That first year as a journeyman, I had made like, you know, 70 plus racks. The year after, when I was pushed across the street, I was making like barely the minimum. I was only breaking like 34 hours. Like I was only getting my base minimum fare every single salary every single week because it was impossible for me to bust my ass. Because I'm having to cross the street for everything. If the parts department gave me the wrong parts, I had to cross the street and come back. In the middle of the winter, I had to do that shit. Sometimes my tool car wheel would bust off, and I would have to pick up all my tools in the middle of the Chicago Avenue. Bro, it was heart-wrenching. It was killing me. So not only was all of that creating like such a miserable, negative environment, but it was making me miserable, making me angry. You know, But I didn't want to quit because I'm not a quitter. And if I was to quit, that fat piece of shit would win, and the other fat piece of shit would win. Tubbalard and fat fucking Richie, fat ass Richie would win, you know. And I worked too hard, and I got I put too much in to quit, like a bitch, you know. Okay, so the f- the end days, the last. Four months. So one day I'm sitting at home and I kind of had this vision that I can I can just kind of move over to the Volkswagen building because they weren't going to let me back in the Mazda building. I, I was convinced at that. 
<clears throat> the union, you know, acted like they couldn't do shit for me, but they're just pussy, and they could have, but, you know, when the chips are stacked against you, and they don't give a fuck, they, they don't give a fuck about you, so anyways, I decided to negotiate, like, you know, I tell I tell the big boss, the general manager, not the not my ma- not my manager, not um not Tubalard or Pig Vomit as we call him, but um I decided to talk to the GM and I said, Yo, give me two give me two lifts at Volkswagen. That way since I don't have so that way I don't have to cross the street and you're not gonna since you can't figure out a way to get me back in Mazda, let me get two lifts at Volkswagen. That way I can just cross the parking lot because they they share the same parking lot where the used cars and new cars are. They're all the same. And um, he's like, okay, you got it. Boom. Man, me having two lifts and everybody at the Mazda building only have one, that shit fucked their minds up. They're, they were so fucking aggravated. Mostly the people that I didn't really fuck with. Predominantly fat ass rich, can't fix a sandwich. The only thing that fixes a sandwich, Harry. Shorty and his new kid, Jose, he was a Mexican kid. He was cool. He didn't really give a fuck because he was getting paid by the hour, so it didn't bother him. So when I got them two lifts at fucking Volkswagen, oh, my God, forget about it. Like, that became enemy. I became enemy number one. So one day on a Saturday... Because I was working the Tuesday through Saturday schedule. I wasn't giving up the Saturday because Saturday was a juicy-ass day. You would make, like, triple the amount of hours in one day on a Saturday that you would do on a Monday. So a couple of people that worked Monday through Friday didn't like that shit. Especially once I became a journeyman. I was taking, like, I was getting, like, 30-plus percent of my week on a Saturday because it was so much juice work. And juice work is just easy-ass fluid exchanges and shit. 30Ks, what all that bullshit. Anyways. So um so one one Saturday when I had been at Volkswagen, Tubalard was there, Richie was there of course, getting his time and a half, and uh I had did twenty two cars that day. I serviced twenty two cars that day. Mind you, because I had two lifts, so I could bang out a lot of work, you know, one after the ba 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 ba. One of the cars, one of the last cars of the day, and mind you, I'm fucking beat. I'm exhausted. I've been working, this is like 40 plus hours at this point. I've been working like 10 at that day. So one of the last cars was a motor that I had almost finished put, finished putting together. And um, so, mind you, I'm running literally across parking lot, getting all these cars back and forth, back and forth. So they're getting done, all this shit done. I think I done like I think I did seventeen or eighteen cars that day in that range. Saturdays I typically did, you know, on a busy Saturday, twenty two, and a slow one about seven. So I'll say the average was like fourteen to seventeen that day. Um, so I'm running back and forth, and I'm put. I'm also putting this motor together on this CX seven. So um when I in the in in the midst of running back and forth, I forget to tighten one bolt, the most important, the crank bolt. And um when I go to after I put the car all back together, I go to put the car together and I go to start it and the, the motor basically because the crank wasn't tightened, the, the pistons hit the, the valves. It was an accident, you know, you you're physically exhausted, you're running around like a fucking Jackrabbit, whatever, with the chicken with his head cut off and shit, but 
mind you, at that point, I'm moving as well. I'm moving out of my apartment from Evanston. I'm moving to back into the city, moving back into my mom's house because shit is not going good, and I know that shit's getting bad. And I'm I'm really starting to hit a low in my depression or a high in my depression. And uh, I'm feeling very mentally ill. You know, I'm not I'm not feeling too good. I know that I'm gonna lose my job that I work super hard for, and um, a lot of it is because of the situation that I was put in. You know, having to cross Chicago Avenue for eight months. I was only at Volkswagen for like a month. Um, the hatred towards me was intense. It was so negative, and um, you know, I had some very negative thoughts, man. It was so sick, and and it brought me down. It brought me to a very, very dark place in my life. I don't tell a lot of people about it, but I got to get it out of my mind. So, I want to put it on here and and let the two or three people that are gonna listen to it listen to it. So. But, um, yeah, that was the craziest part of my life. I'll get into part two next episode if I ever get to it. If you listen, man, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right, y'all. Have a good night. Peace.